Welcome to Cast to Carrot Podcast. You're here with Jeffrey Freed and Kirkpatrick Miller. Today, we're going to talk about something that visual spatial thinkers do, and they do it really well, and that's thinking in pictures and seeing the world a lot of times in images um, instead of maybe the way some other individuals that are neurotypical um, perceive the world. So it's an important topic because it ties into so many different avenues. Um, and Jeffrey will probably go into this. He had already mentioned, you know, this fits dyslexia, um, ADHD, you know, people on the spectrum. So this particular idea of thinking in images and how we process images is so vital. And so, you know, I'm super happy to have Jeffrey here because he's a world expert on this as well. Um, and we have done a couple shows um, that I kind of want to point people back to. One is on the perception of time and anxiety. And we're going to do another show on that now because we've done a lot of research and since that time. But all of these things kind of tie together. So, Jeffrey, I love your idea that you had mentioned and, and brought up with me earlier. Um, and I, I want to just let you kind of explain to the listeners the epiphany you had working with some individuals. And when you called me, I said, that's literally like what I do. So, I mean, it was, you'd said it so well, please just jump into it. So Kirk, I can tell you that people process the world in extremely different ways. Um, people who are uh, typical, you know, not, not, non divergent but um you know just regular left brain or whole brain people especially left brain people who love to do things like accounting and um, putting things into systems and are great with that but they're not so good with creativity and thinking in pictures the people that i work with almost all think entirely in images i mean it's a trade-off you're supposed to do certain things in the left hemisphere and, you know, things get shuttled to that when, um, you know, that like if you're doing something like accounting or taking notes. However, um, if you do that with the right hemisphere, because your left hemisphere isn't um, that powerful, what ends up happening is you don't do it very well because the left hemisphere is supposed to think in it, think in words, think in steps and trust that if you follow a recipe or a menu that you will get results. Um, these people tend to not be creative because you don't have, nobody has everything. And therefore they're not good at, um, a lot of times they're not good at managing people, especially creative people, because creative people think in images. And that's the, that's the bailiwick that I have. Um, virtually everyone I have ever worked with, and that's close to 2000 different people over 30 some years, um, are, are picture thinkers. And they just assume, like kind of we all do, that everyone processes like they do. And more linear people, word thinkers, think that everyone processes like they do. And they couldn't be more wrong. Um, I have seen, I mean, I don't even know what to do with someone who's linear, sequential, left, left hemisphere dominant. Um, I think anybody can teach them. You just teach them an order and you have them write stuff down. And, that's, that, and they learn that way not the folks I work with. Um, it's so interesting because people both on the spectrum and people who are just, you know, visual thinkers, everything is an image. 
if you give them, you know, you talk about a house, they see a house. And that's classic dyslexia stuff is that um, they'll see a house and they might call it a castle. And the person is sort of monitoring the reading, like, like how do they get castle out of house? Well, they were referring to their picture. And happens all the time. Um, when you think in images, you tend not to learn phonetically. That's linear, sequential. You tend to remember whole words. You tend to um, see the gist of things. And you can't really learn until you see the gist of the, see the whole picture. Whereas linear people don't have that need. They just trust that if you follow steps, you will arrive at conclusions, nirvana, so to speak. Not the folks I work with. They have no um, experience processing that way, and they don't trust it because it doesn't work for them. Now, when you think in images, um, it gives you a tremendous advantage in some arenas and no advantage at all in others. Um, school, typical, traditional school is all about processing in steps. Definitely and not pictures. Definitely not pictures, except when you go to art class or maybe shop class, but they don't even have that anymore. Um, and of course, what happens is people don't learn well. Visual learners don't learn the way that, you know, that the schools are teaching, and they think they're dumb. And when, they, when you think you're dumb or slow, um, it's you're done, literally. You, you are essentially screwed because you just your bottom line assumption is I'm not very smart. I can't stop trying. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So another quick thing about dyslexia is all dyslexic people are visual and spatial and they see things in three dimensions and um, they can flip and rotate things at will. And they also have wonderful visual. I mean, they daydream really well. They're world class daydreamers. And a lot of times, and this is so interesting, is a lot of times a person um, who's dyslexic can get lost in their daydream and forget where they are and um, just essentially just wander off. And once they realize that they're not really in their daydream, that they're supposed to be listening in class or answering questions, they can become very, very, very disoriented. That's and panicked. I'm, and panicked. One yeah. of the whole of dyslexia. Oh, I could imagine the panic because I felt that just with ADHD and I, I didn't have an issue with reversing things. Um, There were a couple items that you mentioned that I thought were really valuable to bring up. One, you said, you know, they won't do something unless you get like give a bottom line reason. And so if you have a child who's really struggling with a, a subject and they really don't like it at all, if you can give them a valid real world reason why they have to, and I, this needs to be a good one too. Um, I think I I asked this cl in class one time. I think it was algebra, and they said, oh, "If you you know the pieces of or the price of each piece of meatball in a soup can, right? And it's not labeled." I mean, that was not the best example because at the time and still now, you just go scan it. So it didn't make any sense to me. Had they used, oh, later on, you know, it goes to this and this. So give examples. You had mentioned that. I really thought that was super solid. The idea of the images where you said there are certain jobs and placements where that's really beneficial and some places where it's not at all. It is phenomenal for recognizing patterns, for um, you know coding. My goodness, somebody that can see a whole picture and understand a lot more of the code than what they just see on the screen is so beneficial. 
the daydreaming is actually, um, I think, helpful in some ways because you look at this world around us and who doesn't want to daydream and think of a better world sometimes, you know? So there's the thing that I really, that impacted me was you, I remember you called and you said, I, I mean, they, they see the whole image. And he said that that's why you couldn't remember like um, starting in the middle of the alphabet. And the more I thought about it for me, if I, if I hear something or somebody says their name, I, I, can't remember it even if they say it like five or six times and the classical thing of repeating their name back to them i do that every time and usually after about three minutes it's gone and it's not because i don't care i'm actually trying to register the name if they have a name tag on good to go i have it instantly and you know the other thing that you had mentioned and was if you're seeing a whole image you know, for me, a lot of times, if I'm reading through something, I just days away, um, and suddenly everything kind of blurs together. What helps me remember things is taking a screenshot. So if I'm reading an article, I have a slight chance of remembering a lot of the facts in it. When I take a screenshot, it's locked for me. And so when you mention that, if you think of just taking a screenshot, it's taking a picture of the whole thing you're reading. And that's honestly how I remember things really well. So if somebody says, oh, like there's a particular book on gemstones and I know on page like 19, um, it it says a particular word that I always can't remember, um, but it talks about the uh, opposite of fragility, right? Tenacity, there it is, um, for stones. So I can remember the page. I remember what it looks like. And, and I remember numbers so much better than words too. So um you know, a lot of times when you were talking about that, it just struck me because there were to- so many times in school where the teacher would write one thing up on the board and then they would lecture and I couldn't grasp what they were saying because there was no way to visualize fast enough. And the other part too is if you don't know what a teacher is talking about, how are you supposed to visualize it? So it was easier in classes like physics. So in I didn't even have to think much in physics because everything made sense. I could see where things were going. They have vectors. It's like, oh, that just makes sense. So physics was very, very easy because it deals with things that I could visualize. And then on those classes where if they didn't give me a great relationship with like the periodic table, oh my goodness, trying to learn that thing was so confusing for me. And that's even a picture. So I can still see the colors. Um, and a lot of the letters, um, but the the concept itself was kind of lost. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. You Sometimes you lose like the individual pieces because you're seeing too much information. Would that be correct on some of the analysis? Yeah, it's not exact, exactly what I think, but it is basically correct. The formula is for visual learners, visual thinkers. If you can visualize it, you've got it. When it comes to names, um, what I do, if I really think it's important to remember the names, is I literally imagine that the person is wearing um, a name tag, and I just emblaze it over their head, and you know exactly what their name is. If it's um, Jennifer, I see the woman wearing um, a name tag saying Jennifer. If it's something like history, um, which I got a master's degree in, I just give the dates images, and I give the people images. And then I can remember them. 
if you can't visualize, you don't have a system that's working for you. Linear people can remember the sound or remember the answer and just conjure it up. And they can do it quickly, too, because there's less processing when you're when you're um, a word thinker. You hear the word and you see the word and you're, or you hear the word in your head. Um, great brain people, more visual people see the concept um, or sometimes they can remember the words, but we, we vary. It's like I, I have a photographic memory and a lot of the people I work with, too. So if I read something, I can see where it is on the page and literally see the words. Um, but I can't recall anything that is said to me if I don't visualize. If they go real fast, um, what ends up happening is I'm not going to be time to visualize, so I can't process. So it's a, it's a formula that I use with people. Ask the teacher or the boss to, to um, allow time to visualize. In a lecture, if I were um, having to endure lectures now, I would record them, and then I would listen to them at home when I had the time and the, and the, you know, the, the place to rerun it and play it again. And I would try to take notes in the class because that tends to focus my mind on the words, but I would much rather just record stuff and listen to it later. And that's what I recommend to people. I also recommend to visual thinkers to overtly try to turn everything into an image and to cover yourself when you can. I have kids that I've worked with who've gone up to the teacher, a lot of them now, and just say, I was unable to visualize what you were presenting. Could you give it to me one-on-one? -on -one? And I've never had a teacher be rude or say, well, you need to listen harder. Maybe that happens. I just haven't seen it. So there are ways around it, but you have to first identify that that's the way you process and realize that we all don't think the same. Well, I love the way you described it. Um, I mean, you just kind of walked everybody through how I, I, I really do process. Um, most of the world for me is um, visual, um, which is still a little, it's becoming more and more visual with every passing day. People don't read as much. It's more video. Um, everybody's listening to podcasts. Everything's pushing towards that right hemispheric visual spatial thinking to be honest so in some ways the world is a little easier for me to process because it's fitting me a little better than it used to but at the same time the individuals that are still in the school system they're being pulled in every direction because they see tools that they could use that make a lot of sense like ai why not learn um, I just used that with my eldest niece. She wanted to learn about covalent bonds and ChatGPT. You can literally talk to it now. So she's like, I'd like to learn all about covalent bonds. Can you make this interesting? And it just literally started talking to her and it, it explained it beautifully. So you have all of these amazing tools and the students know they exist. The schools aren't sure how to deal with it. So they're shutting it down. And um, so you have a, a divergence in where the world is heading. One of the, the paths is if we were to stay in the dark ages, and by dark ages, I mean like no no social media, no internet, um, no apps, and I don't think we're going that direction. So the other direction, the only way I see it going is more towards visual, more video. In fact, I see honestly people in the future not going to the office. They're probably going to be wearing 
uh, you know, 3D virtual headsets and having a virtual meeting. I just, that's where I see things going. So that favors, um, again, the visual spatial thinker. But I liked how you said you have to know you process that way. That name tag trick, I will use that. I remember when I was younger and you had me work with spelling words and you'd have me memorize the color and see them in different colors and try to turn them around. And as soon as I was able to visualize the word, that was so helpful. And you had me do that with other things as well. So everybody that's listening to this is extremely powerful. If you can take, um, if you have a student that's learning, I just mentioned chemistry earlier. If you can take that chemistry and you can find a picture um, and or a video that helps explain that chemical interaction or, you know, use the tools that are at your disposal. If you can make them excited about it and they're drawn to it, they will instantly learn it. And then as Jeffrey, you so, I mean, just spot on said, if I can't visualize it, I'm toast. So if you're a teacher and you're talking about a subject or math, definitely math, please do one full solution with every step solved so that every student that looks at it and is scared of failure can see success, one. They can also understand, okay, I can learn from that. And then, and then do your lecture, but give at least one visual representation that's spot on that somebody can go through. So many teachers, and I don't know why, the yes, I, I understand the Socratic method, right? Go ahead. I, I understand I, it. I do. It's um, it's really what I was going to talk about next, but um, it's it's apropos to talk about it now. Um, none of us realize how differently some somebody who's got a different hemispheric uh, learning style processes that they do, and most of the people who are teachers, especially high school. Middle school, not so much elementary school, um, and college, they are linear. They are sequential. They don't visualize well. Um, the reason they like school is because it gives them feedback on um, how they learn, and they feel really smart. And the teacher probably won't be creative, and though certainly some are, um, and more and more. But the majority of them are linear, sequential, and they think that visual thinkers are broken. And they need to convert them to word thinkers. They can't do that. You can get a little better at it, but you're not going to be able to change your learning style. We're not that, um, what's the word is, we're not that, um, nah, I'm gagging on the word, so forget it. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. We're not yes. that malleable. That's the word I was looking for. Malleable is a perfect word. And, you know, going through school, I was absolutely so frustrated. And, you know, I don't see that frustration going anywhere. Teachers have no, uh, they, they are seriously abused. I'm just going to say it as it is. Um, I watched a few videos. I mean, kids are throwing stuff at teachers. The teachers can't react. Um, I mean, they're, it's, it, it's a very, very difficult situation. And my biggest issue with it is that I see the change happening. And I know that we are having problems with people learning and we need to stop saying everyone needs to learn everything in economics. You have specialization. You're going to have people that are phenomenal at certain things. I think we need to start looking at building curriculums around individuals and stop building a universal curriculum. Just like you said, we all process the, the world that we're living in, in a different way. And there's no way you can have 
one curriculum. It's absolute lunacy. I do understand that it happened hundreds of years ago when this country was first starting out and you had little cabins. I actually knew a lady that taught in a single cabin and, you know, with the wood fire and stuff like that. And she had, you know, six students or something like that. So yeah, I get that that used to work. The problem is, is it's no longer conducive to a learning experience. And we have people over in um, Japan, South Korea, and China. You go to, you just look at the bookstores there and everything is ChatGPT, AI, coding. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to see how other cultures are more adaptive. And especially when you're looking at technology, you have Japan that somewhat leads the way um, in a lot of aspects. And definitely, you know, in all of the countries, you're seeing that. But in America, you're seeing a push against it. And I think some of that is fear. We've we talked about that in our AI episode. So if somebody wants to listen long before everybody was even talking about ChatGPT, Jeffrey and I already called everything that was about to happen. Um, I was a little saddened to hear that we were correct and that they would kind of keep it out of the schools. Um, I was really hoping that would empower people. But one of the things that I do like about, um, and again, that kind of stuff in the individual learning style is that if I am more visual spatial and I do better, if somebody is describing a dance to me, a lot of times, if they're using words, I can't get it. If I see a video and they move slowly, I have it. Yep. And um, I, know, I know there's a lot of people that don't fully grasp the difference um and i i'm I since i'm you not can you give can, a great example for people i don't know how great it is but um when i when i i'll use me because i'm very visual um when someone mentions somebody's name i see them um if somebody mentions an event like the revolutionary war i have a i have a um image in my mind of something that occurs in the Revolutionary War that I might emblaze in 1776 to 1783 or something and see that. But if somebody tells me um, that stuff, it's not recorded because there's no meaning, no association. Um, I've got to have visual pictures to associate it. And something you said really interested me a lot when you said, I don't understand why teachers teach the old-fashioned way here. Well, I do. Number one, in those countries that you mentioned, like Japan, Singapore, um, mo most of Malaysia, what ends up happening is the teachers are esteemed, they are they are respected, they are paid well. So you get the best and the brightest as teachers. In this country, it's been considered a job mostly for women because their husbands make tons and tons of money doing something else. And it's not respected. And that's so not true. Um, maybe it used to be, but it's not true. Um, but there's still, it's a, it's a profession that is mostly dominated by women, especially elementary school. And they are discounted still. They are not paid what men in the same profession are paid. Um, men, can, you know, know that because the salaries are ridiculously low. And yes. you can't live on them. And you just get grief from everybody. And nobody oh, from everybody, yes. <laughs> so that's that's the reason why we we have seen those countries doing different kinds of teaching and scoring really well on tests. And people in the U.S. 
getting worse and worse. We don't all learn through drill and kill. It kills, literally kills some of us. Oh, for me, it, it did not work at all. And, you know, um, I know we, we talked in the past about the, the apple test. People can look this up. And so you close yep. your eyes and you imagine what an apple would be. And I'm one of the, I guess, rare cases when I close my eyes, I just see blackness. Right on. I don't, I don't see, which is really weird because I'm so visual. I, I paint, I draw everything I do is visual. If I memorize something, I think of what it looks like. Here's the weird part. If I actually start writing a story, as I write the words, I can see more. So if I close my eyes, I can't see an apple. But if I start typing, even with my eyes closed, what an apple looks like, so I go through the descriptions, um, what happens is I have too many pictures of what an apple would be. I have yeah. one from a video game. I have a green one. I have a red one. I have... so. When I write it, all of a sudden, it it becomes absolutely clear. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is that sometimes in class, what happens, and this still happens to me to this day with Netflix, I open up Netflix, there's so much information there, I can't think, I can't figure anything out. Overwhelmed. Just, I am overwhelmed. And so it's something that I realized much later in life. This is only in the last like three or four years. So when I want to really picture something or describe something, I kind of have to close my eyes and go through the process. I have to eliminate a lot of options before it becomes clear. Because when I first start, it's just like this huge overwhelming spider web that just is just black. I, I can't say, yeah, go I ahead. Say, it's what's happening is because you process that way and have to sort of see it, you know, in a story or something, that makes your processing slower. And people, it might be superior, as a matter of fact, it is superior, but it's slower. And in this culture, there's a strong correlation between speed of response and intelligence. We think if you can spit stuff out fast, you're smarter than the person who has to process visually. And you have to you have to do this thing where you arrange, you have to see an image a story then you have to isolate in on what you're looking for it's going to be an image and then you have to turn it into the right words and if you're writing you have to spell it and also be aware of punctuation it's too much it's There's too the, many processes you you perfectly explained what a research paper feels like to me and all through my entire time going through school i would beg the teacher i'd say can you let me do a historical fiction paper like i'll still cite you know whatever else i just because i like a research paper writing down just factual information there's nothing there that was i could grasp so what happened is i yes and so it was just torture and like you mentioned with the words um i've i've read and i'm trying to remember i think it was stephen king um who said like with, with his first draft he didn't pay attention to spelling he said because that'll throw off your flow and yeah. that is something I would definitely suggest to people. Don't let, let the flow happen and go back and fix those. If you Otherwise, it just interrupts the process. And I need that constant stream. And that's another thing in school with people that think with pictures, they don't get enough time to express. Yeah. So the stream of thought is broken. And then the teacher asks them a follow-up question and they can't answer the follow-up because everything else was lost. And so then they get, you know, reprimanded 
and then yeah. anxious. Yeah. So it's an important topic. Because the exactly. worst the worst thing for visual learners um, is when they panic, they visualize negative things and they lose their image and they can't pro they don't know name, rank, and serial numbers about all they know. So they grow up thinking they're bad under pressure. Well, they're probably not. It's just bad in, in the world of words. It certainly isn't in the world of action. Um, so it, I'm going to conclude my, my intake on this with one quick thought. Um, the root of our educational system goes back to the 1800s when America started to have factories and we had a lot of people and they were coming from other countries. They were immigrants. And what they were looking for is people to man the factories, don't question um, why they're being fed, what they're being fed, and just be good soldier ants. And it's still there. It's absolutely, it's not expressed that way, but it's there. It's implied. I would agree. You know, it's, it, it's frustrating because I feel like we keep getting opportunities where we can change that. And the status quo will, as we know, humans love the status quo um, and no one likes change. And I do think we are getting to the point where we, we need to recognize there is massive change happening and it's very quick. This is not going to happen slowly. Nope. And this is actually, um, it's one reason why I think uh, cars like Tesla are doing so well because they're designed for a visual spatial thinker and they're also quiet it's fascinating so I, I was in one and oh my goodness it talk about a completely different experience and for for someone who has high anxiety which is everywhere i i think that companies and um schools and parents and people who embrace where we're going and just stop trying to cling to the past it's it's literally pandora's box we are when the internet was done, that was already a huge change. But with ChatGPT, we are 50 to 100 years ahead of where we thought we were going to be. So things are going to only ramp from here. So my suggestion to anyone who's listening is make sure teach your children you know, to express themselves. Like you said before, go talk to the teacher. Um, if you do process an image, I love some of the tips you gave. You know, Put a picture to it. Uh, memory palace is something people can look up. And that's like a memorization technique. And that is actually quite effective. Um, so, you know, Jeffrey, phenomenal topic. And it's, you described it really well. I, I like your last thought. So let's end it there. Um, if anybody has feedback or questions, you know, always feel free to, to reach out. Um, we always love uh, your feedback. So thank you for listening. We'll be back the following week. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Cast and Cared Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know. And definitely like, follow, and subscribe. Certainly leave a comment if you'd like. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time. Also, in our show notes, there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media. As well as reach out to us directly. Thanks again and have a great day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. 
all discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Casting Cured Podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Cast Cured Podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.